you don't need me to tell you that the past 12 to 18 months have been, say it with me, unprecedented. Without precedent. Sans precedent. Precedentedless. It's not even a word. Anyway. For many individuals, it's been a struggle and it's put a test on many companies, especially the leaders of those companies, to step up during these uncertain times to engage, align, and maybe even inspire others within an organization or a team construct. So in this episode today, we're going to be spending a bit of time focusing on what it takes to be a quality leader in health and aged care in uncertain times. Hopefully the learnings from this episode will help new and well-established leaders in this space reflect on what they might need to do to elevate or improve in order to rally their teams to achieve great things. We're going to spend a lot of time in this episode as well reflecting on advice for those wanting to get involved in digital health as well. So there's certainly something for everyone in this one today. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. Hey there, Team Health Tech. So in this episode on the podcast today, we're going to be shining the light on leadership in health and aged care in times of uncertainty, in particular on the amazing work that many women are doing in digital health in Australia. So this episode actually features two guests in two different conversations, but they link together really nicely. The first one that you'll hear is with Jackie Gilfeder from Telstra Health. And after that, you'll hear from Isha Oberoi, the founder and CEO of Afia Care Services, about becoming an emerging leader in healthcare as she shares her perspectives and strategies on how to be an effective leader in uncertain times, as well as her advice for women working in healthcare and wanting to make a difference. So, but first up is my conversation with Jackie Gilfeder, Head of Business Development for Telstra Health's Age and Disability Services, as we explore some practical examples of demonstrating true leadership in health and aged care during times of uncertainty. Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for joining today. Oh, hi, Pete. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, looking forward to discussing more about leadership in healthcare, but I'm keen to understand firstly your background within digital health and aged and disability. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, I've been working um, in health and aged care for over 30 years and in digital health for 18 years now. So it's been a while. I've worked um, with several companies and yeah, it's, it's been quite an exciting place to be working and always something new going on. There sure is. And your current role at Telstra Health, tell us about that. Um, yeah, I'm head of business development with aged and disability. So that's a part of Telstra Health that focuses on the production and sales and support of products that support the aged and disability sectors. We've got over 400 clients in that space and uh, I lead up the team of about eight people. Nice one. And two very important and thriving industries happening right at the moment. Look, thinking around your kind of journey as a leader within the health and aged care sectors, like what have you learned through that process and how, how do you how do you showcase some strong leadership skills, especially during times of uncertainty that we've all been through in the Asian healthcare sectors? Yeah, well, I think it's it's especially important to step up and be a leader during these uncertain times. And I found particularly last year during the pandemic, 
it was especially important to be focusing on the health of the team and the organisation. So in Telstra Health, we have a particular focus on behaviours, on values, and we understand the importance of values in an organisation. And so that really came to the fore last year. We invested in the support of our teams and our people, and we did a lot of activities around just making sure that people were okay, but also in having the conversations and setting up the rituals as well. It was important in leadership to be just setting up the the timetables and making time each day to be checking in on people and to start those conversations, just to making sure that people were adapting to the change okay, um, that as things were occurring in people's lives, as they did for just about everyone that was affected over this last 18 months by the global pandemic, just to be checking in on people and implementing these these programs that we did. So there was wellness programs that we implemented. We made sure that there was support available to people through various online resources, but also making sure that people knew where to reach out for help through those resources that Telstra Health provided as well as their own community resources. Such an important piece of the picture, isn't it, that providing that structure, I think that especially in a work from home environment, if, if you're not familiar with that and, and or even if you are familiar with it, having yeah. a, a start and stop, but also knowing where stuff is, because otherwise it all just blurs into to one kind of blob that's really hard to take control and quantify, you know, so that's a really important job of a man- manager and leader in that in that environment. Yeah, most certainly. And it was, it became apparent like, you know, from the, I think the 16th of March last year, Telstra Health moved all of the workforce to working from home. So Friday afternoon, we found out. And then by Monday morning, we'd moved the whole workforce. And look, to everyone's credit, it happened quite seamlessly. And yeah, while we were already well set up for everybody to be working from home, we'd never actually had everyone working from home at the same time, of course. So mm. so that was a big change. And setting up new platforms, setting up new, new practices, and then, you know, getting into the rhythm of this new way of working. And then, of course, adjusting and making allowances, you know, for everyone as well. You know, there were all these poor people that had little kids at home or toddlers or school-aged children trying to homeschool them or, you know, being concerned about family members, loved ones' health and the whole fear around what was going to happen. It was it was a very uncertain time, but it was good to gather people together and to keep people close and to do those things like having a daily stand-up, so quick check-in every morning with everyone and setting up routines was really important. But then, you know, taking the opportunity as well to be doing a lot of development. We, we certainly as a team did a lot of work on our own professional development, but also in the space of values, communication, leadership. So there was time because we were no longer traveling. So we are certainly in the business development team, a team that's always on the move and traveling a lot around the country. Stopping that and having that extra time in the week was, was a benefit that we took up to be learning about leadership and and other professional skill sets. It was was a good time. And, you know, during the last year, we saw an enormous effort by the aged care sector in responding to, to the pandemic. And from our point of view, we saw many of our clients just having to react really quickly and show amazing leadership with their workforces to respond to the pandemic. I mean, here in Victoria... 
we saw the awful outbreak that happened into so many aged care facilities. And, you know, many of these places were our clients and you could see the amazing leadership that they showed in responding to that. And sadly, I think we often only ever saw the negative press around it all. But talking to these people behind the scenes, they had to do incredible things. Like imagine your service suddenly having no staff at nine o'clock that morning when you've got 100 residents there that need to be cared for. So they had to jump in, they had to be agile, they had to find resources. And even when the resources that they were promised didn't show up, they then had to redouble down and and do you know, some amazing work to to just get things happening and get these people cared for. The other amazing leadership thing that we saw was, I guess, the sector's ability to quickly respond to and use the resources that were out there. So there was a huge surge in the uptake of technology last year as well because people saw that they needed different resources to be able to communicate with their families, for example. So they were purchasing new software, they were training up their staff, they were adapting to training when training, you know, via Zoom rather than Mm. the usual face-to-face training that they'd always done. So they had to adapt quickly. They had to teach their staff to use new platforms. And all of this was done remotely. So that was a huge difference last year and and a real change in in the sector right across Australia. So of the, you know, 220,000 beds in residential aged care, there's now more than 190,000 have implemented a clinical care platform. And so almost the entire industry is now digitised and has, you know, quite significant investment in technology. And that is going even further. So we saw last year a real upsurge in people's interest in technologies to be connecting people, to be connecting families with their loved ones, because that was forced by the closure of residential aged care to outside visitors. So so there were some amazing innovations that occurred last year as well, which we're now seeing growing in their uptake across the sector now as well. The other thing that we saw was just how inspirational a lot of these carers, nurses and leaders were in these aged care organisations, just in being able to respond to the, the awful situation that many of their residents were in and having to be isolated. Often, the, you know, as they reported to us, that was the resident's choice. They didn't want the virus coming into the facility. They felt protected. They they didn't want visitors coming in at all, even though they knew it was difficult not seeing their families. They were mostly they were frightened for their own health and their lives. So so the ability for these organizations to to think outside the square and to, you know, quickly trust organizations like ourselves to provide them with software and, and solutions and then to implement that change remotely. So it was all done by, you know, project management over teams and and training of, you know, thousands of staff over webcams and WebEx. So it was quite a difference. And for the staff then to be accepting of that. So nurses and carers who were often unfamiliar with technology or hadn't used computers much in their workplace, they were having to learn via teams or via WebEx. So so that was a big thing for them to do as well. It's great to see so many different stakeholders coming together and utilising technology to overcome 
what's normally a pretty unsum- you know, insurmountable challenge to, to really get things done. That's, that's quite inspirational. That's great. Oh, it was absolutely. It was amazing. Hey, look, Telstra Health, you've recently opened nominations for the inaugural 2021 Brilliant Women in Digital Health Award initiative. Can you tell us a bit more about this initiative? Look, this initiative is really exciting. I think it's a great time to be shining a light on this space in digital health. So what what this uh, project is about is about recognising and celebrating the very many women out there in digital health that have shown leadership and that have really implemented major change in you know large and small organisations and have been doing this in many cases just quietly in the background, just working away and making a big difference in their clients, you know, patients, families' lives by implementing these major changes from, you know, going from paper-based systems to digitising whole organisations. And so it's a time where we're taking the opportunity to, I guess, inspire others to follow in this space. I mean, health is a growing industry. Age care is definitely a growing industry. Technology is a growing industry. I mean, what a great place to be in where, you know, there is there is all of these opportunities and quite exciting uh, projects and, and being at the forefront of change and technology and, and how that can impact the health system and actually impact people's health, well-being, saving people's lives. So it's really an exciting time to be here. But it's also a good time to be sitting back and actually recognising, you know, certainly out in the aged care market, which is where I'm most familiar, there are many women in the aged care space that have great experience and have shown leadership over many years in implementing technology into their businesses. So it's a great opportunity to recognise these women and to call them out and inspire others to follow in their footsteps as well. So we've had many clients in this space have have moved from old legacy systems like paper-based patient records to moving to digitise these. And this is no small feat in organisations. It usually takes a lot of leadership, a lot of, a lot of change management and a lot of foresight and determination to keep these projects going. They can be very long. People can get disheartened but because it's all about changing people's work practices, which in the end it can be quite a difficult thing to do. So there's there's many people out there that that ought to be recognised and, and it's, it's a great opportunity to shine the light on the industry. Mm, no, totally. And we'll be spending a bit of time in this episode doing exactly that, shining the light on, on one particular individual uh, has achieved some great things in digital health and being recognised for that. Mm. Just thinking for anyone that's wanting to get involved uh, more in digital health or aged care as it's such an exciting and emerging place to be and can make a difference, what's some advice that you can give to somebody thinking about entering that? Well, I guess it depends on where people are in their careers. I certainly for, for young people and young women I'm a huge supporter of the STEM movement so you know getting girls into science and technology and maths at an early age and getting them to focus on that in the university studies as well is really important and to see for them to see at that age you know when they're sort of 16 17 to be seeing the opportunities that are out there in these spaces in computer science in engineering in the maths areas and then for those that are starting their careers there's opportunities in the the graduate space you know to be working 
looking at Telstra Health, we're offering more opportunities next year going forward for graduates to be spending their time after university with Telstra Health. So that's a great way to have your eyes opened to the many opportunities, whether you're a, you have an engineering or um, science or um, computer technology background, but also there's huge opportunities for those with the applied sciences uh, backgrounds as well. So nursing, allied health degrees, that kind of thing. So there's there's huge opportunities there because in digital health, it's good to have the balance in the organisation. So certainly in our teams, we have plenty of clinicians. So those that have like nursing, allied health backgrounds, medical backgrounds, and then we have those with management backgrounds, And then, of course, we have the the very many people who have computer science, engineering backgrounds as well. So there's there's that. And I guess the other way then to get involved is, you know, to be keeping your eye on these sectors, to be keeping an eye on the opportunities. There's always jobs being advertised in the Telstra Health websites to see the opportunities that are there from whether it is in business development, in sales, that's always a growing area. And then there's always the technology we're always looking for for software engineers, developers, um, business analysts, project managers, trainers. So there's some very exciting opportunities and, and we often open up these doors to people when it's it's something that they've never thought of before, but it's quite an exciting time to be in this space. It's where there's a lot of money being spent by the government and also the private sectors. But, you know, as the population ages, of course, we're just hitting this wave right now. We're about to be moving into this next big wave of people over 65 that are now entering this aged care market. So there's a lot of people to service and it's very much going to be a growth industry. And just lastly, Jackie, look, so Telstra Health, we mentioned the Brilliant Women in Digital Health Award initiative. How do people check out that and make nominations? What should they do now? Well, I think if people can think about the women that they know that have shown considerable leadership in this space, it's quite easy. Just go to the Telstra Health website and it's all over the homepage there. So just click on the links and follow the prompts to uh, nominate. And there's a few questions to fill in there. It's all very easy uh, to follow. So just hop on the Telstra Health website to find that link. Very exciting times. Look, Jackie, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much, Pete. Next up, I had a chat with Isha Oberoi, the CEO and founder of Afia Care Services, a purposeful home care provider with a mission to empower people through love and happiness. Isha is also an award-winning entrepreneur and a self-love advocate, and she credits much of her success as a heart-centered leader and business owner to her transformative ideology that mental health begins in the heart. Her uncommon approach and her many impressive accomplishments have resulted in her being recognized as a winner at the recent Women's Agenda Leadership Award in the health sector in 2021. So in this chat, we'll learn more about her journey and some really useful tips for women wanting to develop a flourishing career in digital health. Here we go. Thanks so much for joining, Esha. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me today, Pete. No worries. Hey, look, firstly, let's set this scene. Tell us a little bit more about your experience working within the healthcare sector. Yeah, sure. So just by way of background, I migrated here when I was seven years old with my family and couldn't speak a word of English, went to school, massive sort of cultural shock to the system. And so schooling for me didn't start off well and that carried on. So by the time I was in year 11, I was so disengaged, I decided to leave. So, you know, a number of years after that, 
just dabbled in and out of different industries. I was working in hospitality for a short time, tried real estate. And then after a few years of unfortunately being diagnosed with depression and then not sort of being able to find meaningful employment, my dad encouraged me to get a job as a carer. And funnily enough, he used to say to me, you know, Isha, there's such a shortage in the healthcare sector of skilled workforce. Why don't you join the aged care industry? So I did. I walked into a nursing home one day with a resume and a pulse, and I got a job because I had a pulse. So basically what I learned from day one is aged care and disability sector or health services is such a profoundly beautiful industry, right? But there is such a huge shortage of skilled workforce in, in the sector. And so that's where my journey began. That was 13 years ago. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. And just to, you know, set the scene for, for everyone else too, in terms of what you're doing on a day to day in the aged care sector, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So my longest standing employment was a carer in a nursing home. And I felt an instant connection to my clients and a rapport. So six months into working in the industry, I started my own business in home care services. I've been doing that for 13 years. Um, the CEO and founder of Afia Care Services, and we effectively are a substitute for long stays in hospitals or institutionalized care. So we provide health services for people to live independently in their own home or in the community for as long as they can to avoid hospitals and nursing homes. And we support more than a thousand families a week under the National Disability Insurance Scheme and My Age Care Scheme. Amazing. It's such an important thing, particularly for the aging population and having the option to be able to stay at home as long as possible and, you know, age with dignity. It'd be, I would imagine a remark, I mean, it's been a remarkably challenging time for everybody over the past 12, 18 months, but I would expect no different for yourselves as well. You know, you leading within that space, within the healthcare sector, what, what strategies have you taken to use to help lead your team during this really challenging time? Pete, I think our, our people look for three things from their leadership. And, and I think those three things are no different to the basic human needs. You know, it's, it's psychological safety, it's clarity in the moment, and it's hope. It's something to look forward to. And I feel that we do that really well in the organisation our leadership does. And I think last year, absolutely, we did that very well. So it was about creating an environment of psychological safety where people don't feel fear within our four walls of this business anyway, and having that really open communication all the time, communicating with clarity on, on where we are at in the business, what they can expect, where we can support them and continue reassuring them. And then as well as that hope, what is the vision for the business from here and, and what the direction is. So we did a few things on top of that just to to be able to provide that environment for them and, and that's providing financial bonuses. So we provided a COVID bonus for all of our staff just to let them know that we can assure you and we can support you, but this is this is tangible action that we're taking towards that because we just knew a lot of our people in the business, their family or friends or, or close people around them were losing jobs mm. and there was that fear of financial, I guess, constraints that they could have experienced. And then we had KPI free zones for months. There was really no focus on growth as a business. We, we just wanted to make sure that everyone felt comfortable and assured in a period of a lot of uncertainty. Now, interestingly enough, just those three things 
the psychological safety, the clarity and the vision meant that we grew by 40%. It was totally unexpected, but we actually ended up growing because it propelled our people to just focus on what was the the positives Mm. in the business. That's so cool. And thinking about though, I would expect a decision to make those moves in terms of providing a bonus like financial assurance for staff and the KPI free zone. So it, it would take off a lot of pressure from staff and the team and everyone, but it'll put a lot of pressure on you, I would imagine in terms of, and the leadership team, because there's other expectations and stakeholders involved and everyone that, you know, in making those decisions has still got a business to run. How did you go about, like, obviously the results spoke for themselves and and that was very much the right thing to do. And I would imagine there's other leaders around that would want to be able to do something similar to be able to support staff during challenging times. How did you go about managing those competing kind of needs of being able to run a business and then making some of those calls that look like they would go in the, in the face of that? I think what happens is that, well, f- fundamentally, our businesses are run by people. And if we act and behave and make decisions in the business that all come out of a place of trust, people repay that trust. You know, you'd be surprised at how far kindness and trust and just those basic human values can go. And I think this is just a great example of that. That is such a good message and I, and I definitely want that to resonate to other executives, not just within the healthcare space, but anywhere. I think a lot of people can leverage off of that. And so then thinking now, you know, your work's been recognised. You've won an award for the Emerging Leader in Health at the Women's Agenda Leadership Awards. So congratulations on that. How, how do you feel about that? Thank you. It feels good. It feels really good. And I think on the night and and definitely the award, it was more for my people. I just felt so great that our people, our industry, the sector and the, the clients that we support that are so vulnerable, it was recognition for them equally. No, but it feels great. Amazing. And just thinking about the sector and people, you know, women working in the healthcare sector and wanting to develop their career or, or for anyone wanting to get involved in it, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I think with the aging population and the growing demand of services within even the disability space, there is a lot of opportunity. The sector is really dynamic. You know, we're we're very resilient and adapting to technology very well as well. So I think for anyone wanting to to come into the space, you've got to understand and know one thing about the industry. Health services is not a coin operated industry. It's foundation like it's built on a lot of trust because our clients are so vulnerable they've either got a temporary health condition and that makes them very vulnerable or they've got a permanent lifetime health condition or disability equally making them very reliant on the services or the products of businesses in health so i think coming into the sector your heart it's got to be in it. Like there's got to be a deep-seated passion for the the customer and knowing their needs intimately. And so spending a lot of time really understanding the market, knowing who the competitors are so you don't get diluted in that. So not being consumed by the competitors as such, but really knowing enough about their strengths. So when you come into the market, you've got a very clear value that you bring in through your product or service. And for anyone else who's already in the sector, and wanting to grow, the question I'd be asking myself is how often are you finding yourself in front of the customer? Because again, it's it's their needs that we're servicing. And yeah, it's a, it's a great industry to be in. It's a very heart sort of driven industry. So it's really about being in front of that, that customer. 
So this episode's been a great one to reflect on some of the amazing work that women do in our health and aged care sectors, and also generally the traits of quality leaders that are helping forge transformational change to improve lives across the country. Remember, if you or someone that you know has made significant contributions and achievements in relation to mentoring or medical research, contributing to technology development or improving health outcomes using digital health, or maybe even introducing a new digital process for the delivery of health and aged care services, then they sound like a great candidate to be nominated for the 2021 Brilliant Women in Digital Health Award. Just go to telshahealth.com for more information and submit a nomination by the 16th of July. There'll be a link in the show notes of this episode as well that you can click on, or just go to telshahealth.com for more information. If you're listening to this episode after the 16th, then make sure you check out that link anyway to see who was recognized and follow the initiatives and those brilliant women in digital health that are making a meaningful impact to society in the health and aged care sectors. And that's it, Team Health Tech. Thanks for joining. Let's go make it happen. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.